Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. I'm super excited to have John Isgrig with me. John, say hi. Good morning. Good morning. So listen, John is going to talk about something that I'm really excited about because it has the ability to help a lot of people. So John is a branch partner and loan originator at Alcova, and I'm going to call him the credit dude. You are the credit dude. And one thing that I love and admire about him is he has really taken to an art helping people whose credit is not quite there to be able to get a mortgage. A lot of companies, a lot of people would say, sorry, can't help you. You don't fit my box. And really what he's done is he's really kind of widened his box and he has taken and perfected getting people into a home, which is why we all started doing this in the first place. So I'm super excited to talk to you today. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I think really a lot of times, you know, the tough loans, people are like, ooh, the tough loans, bye-bye. Like, that's not what I want to do, right? And and I'm not saying, look, this doesn't mean that you're like, please don't send me great conventional, simple loans. It's not like you're like, those go to someone else. You obviously want those too. But what you've done is really taken these tough loans for a lot of years, and you really care about getting people into a house, giving them a strategy to be able to get their mortgage. Exactly. I think first of all, we gotta we gotta establish how do we get them to the minimum level of getting approval. If that's where they're at, we have to get them to 620 to get a conventional loan. We have to get them to 580 to get an FHA loan. That's the first goal for that stage of borrowers. And from there, everything is risk-based pricing. So for every 20 basis points that we can raise their score, they're gonna get a better interest rate at 640, at 680, and so forth. If we get them to 740, Anything above gravy, uh, getting the 740 and above, you're going to get the best interest rate and the best PMI factor. And that ultimately, that's what your monthly payment is going to be and what you can afford. And I think so many people, me included, I mean, as we talk this through and we're going to go through some steps, I think showing people, because I think it's a couple of things. One is I think people just think, first of all, it's going to be so hard that it's just bad news. Like if you get told, I'm sorry, your credit is this, we can't really help you. That's what the message a lot of people get. And then, well, I can't be a homeowner. Or they contact us or maybe a credit repair company that may not be the right move for them that can take too long and they also get discouraged. So we're going to give some tactics that I think every lender, every realtor that's listening, anyone who's not a lender or realtor listening, you listen to because these are tactics you can take or help your kids establishing credit, which is something we all want to do. So and you've had years of this. I mean, you basically, you were a Wachovian for citizens. You had your own company as a broker for maybe 15 years. Around 2017, you came to Alcova. I mean, you are not new at this. It's been a long time. No, and, and I've enjoyed it. I mean, if you don't love seeing people buy their first house or qualify for the first house, you don't need to be in this business. This is what it's all about. I think I call this credit improvement because... Credit repair has a different connotation. I don't charge for any of this credit improvement. I'm giving free advice and hopefully giving them a specific advice on how to get their score up. Somebody may come in with a 670 score and they're qualified for a conventional loan, but they're going to get a much better interest rate at 680. And if they're not putting 20% down, they're going to get a much lower monthly PMI premium added to their payment. 
that's big, especially today where interest rates are a challenge where they've gone up so fast yes. today. I mean, that's a huge value. And again, I think that why do they need us? Again, let's be clear. To me, it's service. It's what we can do for them. It's how can we help them? Because in theory, we all do the same thing. So in theory, they could go without a realtor. They can go on 1-800-LOAN.COM. I'm just making something up because I'm not trying to pick on a company. And then they're turned away and they think, oh, I can't buy a house, right? Versus sitting down with someone like you, getting the opportunity to work with someone like you who then says, hey, here's some things that we can do. And I'm going to save you some money. Because think about it too. If I had a 670 and you just rolled and said, hey, cool, you qualify. Here's your rate. Here's your payment. Go. If you can take me to, a, let's say, a 720 and you just saved me money, you've done well above your job and you've really taken care of me. So that's something that I'm going to share with everybody I know. Exactly. And most of the credit improvements that I suggest to a borrower can be accomplished within two to four weeks. So if it's something that's going to take six months, that's a different story. But we're looking at tactical maneuvering to fit into the algorithms that the three credit bureaus have set and created. We're in 2023 now. This is a finesse game, and we have to be better at playing it to help our borrowers buy houses. Yes. And also credit. It's such a personal thing. What's your credit score is almost asking like someone, how much do you weigh? Like you wouldn't walk up to most women and go, hey, how much do you weigh and how old are you? Like that's <laughs> not going to get you very far, right? right. Now, I'll tell you because I don't care. But our credit score is deeply personal, right? And we're also embarrassed by it. So we can be excited about it and want to wear it on a t-shirt or we feel like we've done something wrong, like we're blemished, right? Because right. our score is not right. good because we made some mistakes or so took some missteps in our youth or recently and think it's just a judge factor. So I think that a lot of people don't want to talk about it. They're certainly going to talk to a realtor. They barely want to tell you. Like if you didn't have to know their credit, they wouldn't tell you. So it's not something most people want to talk about. Most don't tell me. I have to look it up and say, okay, tell me about this. And then we come up with a strategy to do something about it, to fix it, to change it, whatever. There are a lot of options out there that a lot of people have no idea what they can do without spending a lot of money. And I can't wait because we're going to get into them. But so a lot of people go, hey, John, I got this. I got Credit Karma. Tell me about what's different about Credit Karma and what you do. I think Credit Karma is a good way of measuring ups and downs in your credit score. But that is based on a model that is not used by the conventional lenders or FHA or VA or USDA. So it's kind of like taking your blood pressure. Credit Karma is going to tell you when your credit score goes up and it's going to tell you when it's going down. But if it tells you you have an 850 credit score, you might not. With what the credit bureaus model that we're going to use for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, it's going to be a different version. So I encourage people to use Credit Karma for monitoring when somebody hits your account, when somebody inquires, when your score goes up or down and you want to find out and fix it right away. But it doesn't correlate directly to the actual score. Everybody gets three scores and we use the middle score. So if there's two borrowers, we're going to use the lowest middle score of the two. So if husband's score is 740 and wife's middle score is 680, that 680 is what going to drive it. So we want to figure out how to bring that middle score up to where we need to be to get the best interest rate and the best PMI factor. Yes, which is what we all want, whether my credit's good, if it can be better, if I can save money. Has anyone ever come into you and say, John, I don't want a better rate? That doesn't happen. Right? It's like when that people want to go happen. to sell their house, I always laugh because they're like, we want to get the most money. You do? You, you mean you don't want me to get you the least amount I can in a long time? I can't believe it. So, all right, some tactics. Here we go. I love these. So short period of time improvements, 
These are things you do as part of a consult when you need to, which I love about you. So I really think any lenders listening out there, I mean, come on, this is something that he does as an added value. This is something I want to teach my clients. I mean, I'm very excited about this. So thank you for sharing these because this is something that you do that I don't think most do. Now, again, I could have lenders now call me. I do that too. Good. I'm not saying you don't, but let's look. Now, number one, if we want to get added as an authorized user on a credit card, talk about that. And particularly with a husband and wife, where let's say the the wife has a middle score of 740, husband has a 680. Most likely the husband can have the wife add him on as an authorized user to that great $10,000 credit card that she has. And magically his score pops up 50 points. And now we're both at 740. That's a phone call. Take the card out of your purse, flip it over on the back, call the 1-800 number. I want to add my husband as an authorized user to this credit card. Done. Usually authorized user updates will happen at the end of the month or at least once a month, maybe more. The sooner that happens, hey, if you've got Credit Karma and you see a ding pop up and it goes way up, that means that that went into effect and I can repull your credit and now we're where we need to be with that 740 score. Yes. And it can also be so like I'm a parent, so I could add as an authorized user on my gas card or on any of my cards, shall I choose to. And what I love that you said when you and I were talking is you don't have to give them the card, especially with the kids. The most, you know the most needed is, is first time home buyers and young folks who have not established a lot of credit yet. They can get mom or dad or sister or brother or boyfriend or girlfriend to add them as an authorized user. You don't have to give them the card. When the card comes in the mail, cut it in half if you don't want them to have it. You're basically leaning on their good credit. It's like injecting steroids into their credit score for a period of time. Once the house is bought, call them and say, hey, you can take me off your credit card. I don't need it anymore. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. And we're done. I I did it for my kids when they were in college. I put them on a BP card and a Belks card. And when they came out of college, they go, dad, I got to 760 score. How'd that happen? I'm like, hmm, wonder why. You're welcome. Yet again. So we're going to talk about when they want to establish credit later opening a card. However, this is not the time when we're trying to to kind of improve scores in two to four weeks. Getting your own card is going to take longer to really bump that score. This is really getting on as an authorized user, not starting a new card. Not the same. Exactly. An authorized user is not a trade line that's going to be in the borrower's name. It's somebody else's that you're borrowing. I would recommend going out and getting what's called a secured card. Go into a bank, not a finance company. Put $500 into a savings account and ask them to open up a $500 limit credit card. You're wanting to establish a trade line, a new credit card in your name to start building credit. Someone will also offer a secured loan where you can, it's kind of funny, if I want to get a $1,000 installment loan, I can borrow the $1,000 and put the $1,000 into a certificate of deposit at that bank, and I didn't have to come up with any money. And I just created a $1,000 installment loan for 12 months. Now I have an installment loan on my credit and a $500 secured card. I have two trade lines in my name, and I'm on the road. And a lot of them will get those points will get fairly quickly billed. Yeah. So again, it sounds counter right. And you're like, wait, I just created debt, but you've got to have credit. So another one you talked about is, all right, if they have some balances, paying down balances. Now I want to make sure people are really listening. This is when specific instructions come in. So this is when someone like John says, do this and you do what he says. You do not pay off the card. You do not close the card. You hear pay down a balance. So give some insight on that. 
So old school thinking was, if you owe money on your credit card, just pay it off and it'll improve your score. Yes and no. Today, we're again, we're working with algorithms. So when I run a simulator on somebody's credit, it'll say, have Marjorie pay down her Lowe's card from $979 to $551. Do exactly that. I've had people, you know, I just paid it off, John. Well, you didn't get as many points because the algorithm is going to reward you for being at $551 balance, not zero balance. So make sure you're talking to your loan officer, find out specifically, what do I need to do? And everybody doesn't offer that service. So find somebody who does. Yes. Find somebody who's going to offer that service and tell you exactly what you need to get your credit, your balance paid down to, to get so many points on your credit report. And listen, and also if you had a $3,000 card and John said, pay it down to 1,952 and you paid the whole thing off, you just took away closing cost money or any other money you might need that did not end up holding you in the way we wanted you to help. So listen, 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 right? Like again, follow just specific instructions. Now this, you told me, and I'm going to totally do this when we get off this podcast. What is optoutprescreen.com? Optoutprescreen.com is a website that was created by Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, and Inovius. So four major credit bureaus. It's like putting yourself on a do not call list. I don't want any more junk cell phone calls. I don't want any more credit card solicitations to me. Now, there are there's lots of debate back and forth, but all four of these bureaus have algorithms. And when they see that I have gone in and said, I don't want any more solicitations for credit cards, or anything else, I've I've taken preventative medicine from getting in over my head in credit card debt. I've been doing this since 1984 when I did my first mortgage, and I see on average a four to 17 point improvement. I've had people tell me doing this will not improve your score. Well, that's fine. I got 12,000 credit reports in my filing cabinet that say differently. So the algorithms, read this. They know when you're doing stuff. And it's just, a, it's a good practice. If you miss getting the junk credit card solicitations, then after you buy your house, you can go turn it back on. It doesn't cost anything. Once you do it, it'll affect, it'll go in effect within 24 hours. And oh, wait, I'm sorry. Does anyone really like, again, I, I have, that's what really sits until I recycle it or I put it in a shredder. Plus it has my authorized code. I don't want everyone having this. Has anyone ever been, gosh, I really wish I could get more credit card notices. I so enjoy those every month. And it's a preventative measure to you getting solicitations. There is nothing that then, oh, I can't open a card. Sure you can. You can open any card you want. You just don't need 18 mm-hmm. of them saying, here's a card, here's a card, here's a card you for you. You don't need everybody, everybody sending you stuff every month. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but four to 17 points to not get bothered. Plus think about it. You're saving the environment, the trees. Thank you. It all works together, right? You're getting offers based upon the score that you're currently at. So if you have a a low score, you're getting 25% credit card offers. You're getting what what box you currently fit into. So they're not good offers generally. No, I don't even open them, but, but they're annoying. And like I said, I have to like shred them and take the time they sit in a pile and then I get rid of them. So yay, I'm doing that. Yes. Now, this is going to be a trick question. You know the answer, but I should certainly close inactive accounts, right? Like I have inactive accounts, close them all. That's got to be good. Never, never close an account. Never close an account. It will never help you to close an account. If a creditor closes it because they've gone out of business, there's nothing you can do about it. But when you close it, all that history 
whether it was one year or five years, it's gone. It's erased from memory. It's done. It's not going to help you in any way, shape, or form. Now, conversely, if you have an inactive account that you've not touched, I would say go charge a tank of gas, put $25 or $50 on that account. If it's truly inactive, that will activate it because if it gets to an inactive account status, it's moved into the back of the brain of the algorithm of the credit agency, and it's not giving you full credit for the good credit you've had with that card. So if you've got a, an old Belks card you haven't used and it's zero and it's got a $1,000 limit and you haven't done anything in two years, it's probably inactive. And if you charge something, obviously make your minimum payment, it's going to help your account. It's going to help your score as soon as you activate that card. I mean, of course, I'm trying to think of things that have gone out of business, right? Like if it's like Sea Dream Leather that left the mall in Charlottesville 25 years ago, probably that's closed anyway. But if the store isn't there anymore, there's nothing you can do about it. I do see people, however they did, they came into some money and they paid off their credit cards and they said, John, I just closed them. I yeah. said, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Don't At least not that. now, right? Do you ever do it? Or now I've bought a house, I can do it because that's good for a period of time or never do it. I think if you've got an 800 credit score and if your American Express card is going to cost you $195 each year to renew it and you're not using it and your score is in the top 1%, then close it if okay. it's going to cost you money. But as a general rule, if you're using the card, even if you're not, just keep it if okay. it's not costing you a lot of money. See, again, that's something most people, I think me too, if I pulled a report today, I'd be like, oh, got to get rid of that. I don't use that. You're taking good history and throwing it in the trash can. So That's why when you don't know the good intentions, I mean, again, in theory, that should be great, but it doesn't necessarily help you. Then this is a really good one, medical bills, right? So it's like, that's a given right now. Everything yeah. is so expensive. And let's talk about the change with medical collections. So a, a recent ruling came out that medical collections were no longer going to be reported to credit bureaus. That's great. However, that doesn't help the people that have medical collections on their record that were there before the new rule change. Medical collections really impact your score. Medical collections are the one collection where you can pick up the phone, call the collection agency, tell them what you're doing, ask them if they will accept a payment in return for a deletion. 99% of the time, they will say yes, you pre-prepared, I'm going to pay you the $525 on this credit card today, and they agree to remove it from your report. I will get that information in writing. I'll ask you to get it from them. I will submit a rescore, and medical collections coming off, depending on how old they are, how many they are, I mean, they could be 40, 50 points improvement to your score as soon as we get it off of there. They will do it. They will not remove a car loan that's in collection or a credit card that's in collection or Verizon phone bills in collection, but they will delete medical collections. There's a list of things you got to call and tell them. I'm applying for a mortgage. I'm willing to pay the balance. Here's my credit card. And I need something in writing saying you agreed to do it. I would highly recommend that. A lot of people with medical collections out there. Oh yeah. Or setting up payment plans, right? It's sort of like when the IRS comes for you, right? Which I've been there, by the way. 2008, I was realtor of the year and the IRS was sending me letters. They're not nice letters, by the way. And they will find you. So all the people that are like, they won't find me. <laughs> so the point in that is conversely, I'm not waiting for that and setting up payment plans, which is what I ended up doing. Just like the medical companies, they'll keep coming after you or you can call them and say, hey, I can pay you 30 bucks a month. They're going to work with you versus attack yes. you. So kind of the yes. head in the sand on all of this, but also especially things like this isn't helping, right? Like it will go away. I'm just going to hide is not the way to make these things better. So giving them the call, setting up a payment plan, doing what you can. 
And this, I loved, you didn't say this yet, but when you're calling these people, you said, use your inside voice. (laughs) Use your inside voice. Be very nice to these people. They they will help you, but they won't help you. If you're gnawing at them and chewing on them and ripping their ears up, they may just say, we're not helping you, dude. But what happens if you also gave me another piece of advice? I call and they are not helping me. Then what should I do? I would probably ask for a supervisor or hang up and call and get a different person. Everybody's not as friendly as they could be. And maybe you started out the call wrong, call back. Chances are you're going to get a different operator, different person. And I would still ask for a supervisor. I've had borrowers with me who weren't capable of having that conversation. And they would give me permission over the phone, conference call, and I would do it and walk them through it. And I'm sorry, we're not communicating here. Can I speak with your supervisor? And we were able to get it done many times. So it's very doable for the consumer borrower by themselves, but occasionally you're going to get somebody who's not cooperative and you may have to get somebody else or pass for the supervisor. They will delete it. It's gone. It's no longer on your report as if it never happened. And yeah, I mean, now let's face it. Anytime you're really trying to get somewhere yelling at the poor person on the phone call, you're not talking to the, the person responsible, right? It's no. like when we're mad at people, it's like, they're not happy either. So in line with that, never dispute an account that has a balance, you had said, because that really can hurt you. So while yeah. we're disputing only medical collections, why wouldn't I then take that further and say, oh, I'm going to dispute my Verizon bill, or I'm going to dispute this bill? Because why not? There's a big thing here. A lot of true credit repair companies that charge you to do this will do blanket dispute any account you've had where you've had derogatory history. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will not allow you to get an automated approval if you have disputed an account that has a balance on it. So that's a non-starter right there. I've got a form letter that I no longer dispute your account because we have to get those undisputed to be able to proceed. Well, you may have a great argument. What's more important, winning that argument or buying the house? undispute it, move on, get it off there so we can go forward because it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to go forward to get an approval with a disputed account that has a balance on it. And again, because you've also, if you think about it, I say that especially now, because we talked about this, I've dealt with the medical collections and I'm like, I'm going to town. I'm going to argue all of these things. Nope, nope. Stop with your medical collections. That was a clear one. If we dispute the others, it literally can hurt us right? If we have open disputes, like you just said, let's hear this clearly. I could maybe not get approved for a loan with open disputes. Keep in mind, the priority is to buy a house. Go back and argue (laughs) with them after you are sitting in the house with the keys in your hand. So yes. Now what happens? This isn't true, but I'm giving this as an example. Whoopsie. I have a 30 day notice from my Bank of America lender, right? Because I paid my mortgage late once. It's the only thing I have on my credit report. What do I do? I would recommend this, and I always have. It doesn't always work, but if somebody has an otherwise spotless record with a creditor and something happened last year, something happened during COVID, and I got a 30-day late, I would pick up the phone. I would call the creditor. I would explain to them that I am trying to buy my home. I'm trying to get a mortgage, and I let this account get past due a year and a half ago, and it's affected my score is there any way you would consider deleting this? You would be surprised how many times, if you have six 30-day notices, then no. But if you have one 30-day notice and you've been banking with them and had a credit card with them for seven years, they're gonna consider it. And a lot of times they're gonna remove it. The more recent to the time you've applied that you had a 30-day notice, the more impactful it is to your score. If it happened five years ago, it's probably not really having that much impact on your score anyway, so save the phone call. Again, use your inside voice, be very polite, be very honest, be very humble, 
and you'd be surprised. Honey works better than salt. Well, especially if you're yelling how sorry you are, like that does not make me want to help you. So, I mean, again, in all of these things together, we're trying to, in some cases, maybe we're trying for 40 points. Some cases I need 10 or 20 points and all of these together. Give me an example. This may be too hard of a question. I didn't ask you this before, but let's say I did all of these, right? So I was able to become an authorized user. I paid down what you told me to pay down. I opted out of things. I took care of my medical collections, right? How many points in theory, if I had all those, could I have just improved my score in theory? Good example. I had a young lady buying a condominium in Fletcher and her credit score was like 600 and she paid her bill. She just didn't have much credit. I think she may have had one blemish. She had her dad add her onto three credit cards that he had. Her score went to 655. She closed and bought her first home, 50 some points. It was wonderful for her. It depends. Again, it's all algorithm based. So if the authorized user that you get added on there has a 20 year history, has a $10,000 limit and only owes $500, that may be 20 or 30 points of its own right there. The thing is, we can narrow this down to a science. Authorized users, it doesn't have a way of capturing that. But if we do the authorized user and I figure, okay, we're probably going to get 20 there, we may get 10 for paying that balance. I can tell you exactly how many you're going to get for paying that balance down to 551. I can give a rough idea of what you're going to get from opt-out pre-screen. I can give you a rough idea of what it's going to cause to activate that inactive card And I might have a 91% chance of getting you from 619 to 667 by doing all these things. That's a no brainer. Um, Again, because I also think we all know that we want to do something, we should do something, but tactically, I just think, because people need motivation to do something, right? I mean, the ultimate motivation is buying a house, right? I want to buy a house is a pretty big motivation, but I would say the more that people can do some of this even now, before they're thinking of it, the more we can work on our credit before we actually sit with you and go, oh, right, I got to fix these things, the better. And for my kids, my kids are 21 and 24. So making sure that we add them onto the credit card. Also, one last thing, Fannie Mae six months ago did something new, trade lines. Make sure people know about this because this is pretty important, especially for renters, potential first-time home buyers, kids, my kids' age, things like that. What can they do? Fannie Mae recognize the fact that rent payments, if reported to the credit bureau, will count as a trade line. So there are a number of different agencies. You can go online, Experian Boost. There's a program called Pinata. There's a lot of different ones where you can go on. You have to pay a fee and they will report your rent history. They'll report your utility payment history. They'll report your Verizon cell phone bill. Whatever you want, you can have it added to your credit report and report it. So if somebody comes to me and they've got no score because they haven't borrowed money for, that's what I'm going to say. Have you paid rent to somebody? Have you paid on time? Don't add it on there if you've been late. <laughs> I was going to add that. Okay. Like if you never Don't pay your that. utilities, that's not going to help you. Wait till you've had 12 months in a row of on-time payments. Have them add your water bill. Have them add your Verizon, your cell phone bill. If the insurance company will report your car insurance, everybody that's got a car that's driving, these are going to be counted towards your score. It's a fairly new thing. So there's not a lot of, I don't have the numbers at there yet, but Fannie Mae saying we'll accept it because otherwise, if you don't have two trade lines of 12 months history, you're kind of out there. It's a little tougher, but get these reported, get them to the bureau and get a score to where you can at least have a chance. Then we can build on a score. Here's some keys. Listen, any lender listening, these are some pretty amazing tactics you were just shared. 
realtors, I absolutely will turn this in with John's help into a seminar or something that I can share with them to share with their teenagers to help them build credit and as well as repair credit well in advance of needing a home, right? If we could do this perfectly, we would be hitting people a year before they need to buy, right? Or more. And then they can put all this in place versus, oh, I got four weeks. I want to buy right now. And now I'm behind. This is a big chunk of kind of your secret sauce. So you sharing this is very much appreciated. I've heard you speak. I've gotten to talk with you at Alcova and you've got the science down that really makes a big difference. So thank you. And most people don't have a clue about this. This is new information. Today, your credit score is as important as your social security number. When you go to get your homeowner's insurance, your premium is going to be somehow impacted by your credit score because the insurance people say people with lower credit scores are more likely to file claims. And so your premium is going to be higher for your homeowner's insurance also. And a number of other agencies and different walks of life. So you're not just helping yourself get a better rate and get a home. You're helping yourself just get a better everything financially. Well, also car, world. right? I want to go buy a car. My credit score impacts my interest exactly. rate to buy anything. So yep. thank you for joining me on Real thank Estate you. Scripted. Thank I you. really, really appreciate that you took the time and this can help a lot of people. So thank you. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and home buyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender, NMLS ID number 40508, org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.